Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, February 18th, 2015. And something new that you're going to start hearing at the beginning of this, but this interview is coming to you thanks to our Patreon supporters, such as John R. Thank you, John R., for supporting us on Patreon and allowing us to continue the game of crowdfunding. So, yes, I have an interview. Uh, we're going to talk to somebody that has a project coming up on Kickstarter very soon here, uh, a game that I've been lucky enough to take a look at. We will have a initial impressions video for. Who is joining me on Skype tonight? Hey, everyone. This is Dan Let's of Letty Man Games, and I live in Rochester, New York, with my wife and two daughters, and I've been designing games for the past few years now. Yes, so you live in the other Rochester. Sure do. <laughs> Still just as snowy, though. Yeah, that I do not doubt. And cold. It was cold today, Dan. Yeah, I was outside all night shoveling. <laughs> So this is going to be kind of interesting, I think, in general. We're uh, Obviously, we're going to kind of go through a lot of things that we normally go through in these interviews for everybody listening at home or wherever you prefer to listen. And we're going to get to know Dan. We're going to get to know, you know, why he's designed the games that he has, his lessons learned from Kickstarter, all of those good things. But this is going to be interesting because Dan is an alum of the Game Crafter. And he hangs out in the Game Crafter chat as well quite a bit. And Dan and I talk almost daily, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, if you didn't get sick of me there, here we go with a <laughs> full-on interview. But yeah, I think almost every day we talk probably, huh? Yes. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting because we already have daily conversations so I'm used to talking to Dan, at least typing to Dan. It's the first time we've had a voice conversation, so that's kind of cool. I'm glad to to have that happening. Well, I told you earlier, I hate to hear my voice, so I'm a little nervous about it, but, you know, good to go. <laughs> All right, so I have three warm-up questions I usually like to start with, and then we'll just go ahead and, and have our conversation, Dan, and, and basically a continued conversation from what we normally have over on the Game Crafter, probably. Cool. Just let it roll, right? All right. Besides making wonderful games, what do you do for a profession, sir? Uh, I'm a scientist. So I work, I'm a, I'm a forensic scientist. I work at a crime lab. Awesome. And uh, do you enjoy that side of of your work? I sure do. Yeah. I, uh, I've been in science for a long time. I, you know, went to school for physics and biophysics and did research in a lab and then got into forensics. And I've always loved everything I've done, just coming up with things to do an experiment on and finding something new out and now doing casework and dealing with crime related evidence. It's, it's just very fulfilling. I enjoy what I do a lot. Warm up question number two, what makes you a geek? Well, I guess I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore geek, but for, I guess, lack of a better term, I'll use one of yours. I geek out about a lot of things, things that, you know, most people might not get passionate about, I think are amazing and awesome or really cool. And I'm a, I'm a hardcore collector. So even if I say buy a box of cereal and it's like a cheap spoon, that's one of five. I'm, I tell my wife, we got to buy all of the cereal until we get all five spoons. <laughs> You know, it makes no sense and it's stupid, but I like to collect. I like to geek out over stupid things. And I guess that's probably the most defining thing that makes me a geek. So you're a, a collector with a completist mentality. I sure am. <laughs> All right. That's what even when Dice Masters came out. I never played it, but I felt like I had to buy it just because I had to own them all. <laughs> nice. It made no sense, but that's how I roll. 
<laughs> All right. And then, of course, uh, our last one that we like to talk about is we always talk about how you can geek out about anything and that you, as long as you have that passion level for it. So do you have any geek level passions for things that most people would not consider geek related? I sure do. Well, I guess one thing I told you, I collect things. So I have a huge Pez collection. So I upstairs in my, well, they're packed away in my guest bedroom closet, but I have a couple thousand different Pez dispensers. You are like, that's twice in the last two, three weeks that the Pez collection has come up in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> you are not alone, sir. <laughs> I, I know it's pretty common, but I mean, it's pretty crazy because most people think it's just a stupid little plastic thing that gives you candy and I love it. <laughs> All right, let's see. Where should we start, Dan? You know, you've got this job that you really seem to enjoy and have passion for. What made you kind of decide that you also needed to get into game design? Uh, well, it started with uh, my wife and I and our friends. We we play a lot of games. So obviously there was always that, that we played games and I was always into them and I'm very you know, mathematical and scientific. So I was always into design and what makes things work. And as I said, I was, uh, I'm a scientist. I went to grad school and there's a lot of things people go through in there that they relate to with each other, experiences, pains, things that they don't enjoy, things that their bosses do. And, uh, I felt that there was a need for a game to relate that there are comics out there depicting it kind of like Dilbert does for the office, but you know, more mocking and making fun of the grad school situation. And I wanted a game that kind of embodied that as well. And so that's really what got me into it was designing that first game to make fun of grad school. And then after I did that, I got the bug and was like, I want to keep designing and keep doing things like that. And of course, you're talking about your first game that you actually took to Kickstarter as well, correct? Yeah, that's correct. PhD of the game. And that was successful. So you were able to make that game and, and get that out into the world. I want to kind of go back and explore some other things as well. But while we're there, how was that for you? I mean, you went through the Kickstarter process the first time, uh, started with a small game, by the way. Good for you. That's correct. <laughs> and that was successful for you. So how was that process for you? And how did that, that feel for you to be able to have that success and fulfill it? What, what was great? Well, so I guess I'll start with the whole process itself. I mean, I didn't have a lot of experience with designing. I didn't have a lot of experience with putting games out there. And I didn't have a lot of experience with people uh, interacting with people who had done it. So going into it, I guess I was very naive in my approach and things I did. And I, I felt like I jumped into it and I made a lot of mistakes, but I was still able to, I guess, recover from that and steer it in the right direction while I was doing it, which probably isn't the best way to do things, but it ended up working anyway. And having it fulfill that, uh, I set my goal pretty low and it fulfilled it uh, or it uh, funded at 218%. That was really fulfilling because at first I didn't think it was going to. So, I mean, that that feeling you get when you actually realize it's going to happen, it was very exciting. So when I funded, I was able to complete the art. I went to, into it with no art. So I was able to hire an artist and finish everything. And I was able to fulfill right around when I promised that it was it was very rewarding to get the game out there and have people get it. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the full process there. It's, it's one thing, you know, a lot of people kind of go into the Kickstarter process and try to get funded. And once they get to that point and they're funded, 
for some people it's there is a what now mentality. I, I think that's going away a lot now because there's just so many resources out there now. There's so many ways that you can research that now. But early on, especially, there was a lot of, well, I've got the money. Now what do I do? <laughs> I agree. I, I feel like, yeah, you get to that point where you don't know how to move forward or what to do with it. And so now you have all these backers depending on you and you, you know, you really want to fulfill it and to not be able to move forward. I think that's why it's good to, like you said, start with a small game so that if you do mistakes, I feel like it's easier to recover and get back on track with it than something that puts you in over your head right off the bat. Let me step back a little bit here. So, you know, you you and your family, you said like you and your wife and and maybe some of your friends were playing games. And like most gamers, you know, everybody gets that I can make a game or I should make a game or I can make this game better or or just that mentality kind of comes in. Uh, And some people try and some people are able to maybe do some homebrew stuff and that's as far as it goes. Uh, or some people find out this really shouldn't be what I'm doing and, and drop off from there. Where's the switch for you to say not only, yes, I want to continue to make games, but I might want to do this from a business perspective as well. You know, I thought about that when I was starting my first game, but I didn't jump into it. And I guess the switch was right about, like you said, when it when it funded and I was completing the project, I realized, you know, I, I still had a lot to learn, but I was able to put it all together and figure out what I was doing. And so basically, I spent the next few months after that doing my homework or my research, as you call it, might call it. Um, I backed a lot of projects. I, you know, I've been getting involved with other designers and discussions, meeting with them and just really immersing myself in everything so that I could get as much out of it as possible to develop myself and my skills with this uh, even more. And so I think it was shortly after funding and getting more into involved with other people's projects that I realized that it was something I definitely wanted to at least pursue. So you're saying after you were successfully funded, that's about the time that the, the light bulb went off for you to kind of, yeah, I can make a business out of this uh, or I can, I can hang in the business side of, of gaming. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So then let's just step back a little bit. I'm sorry. I, I keep time traveling backwards with us here, but uh, let, let's step back <laughs> just a little bit farther then and let's go with what made you decide that you needed to take a game to Kickstarter originally? Uh, well, like I said, I didn't have any art and at the same time, I didn't have any money. So I couldn't really connect those dots without the money. And that was the biggest thing was uh, for my funding the biggest portion of it was going towards art and completing the project. So I had a game, I had functional cards, I had people who wanted it, and I had playtested it tons and tons of times, but it didn't have that completed finish. And I really knew the only way to get it out to people, to get the word out there, and to get the money to complete the art was to go into crowdfunding to you know get that money up front so I could hire someone to finish the job and send the games out. And so it was really the, the need for art mostly that, pushed me into doing it. Okay. So you had kind of a personal network of fulfillment that you you knew you wanted to do, but you wanted it to have a certain level of art before you kind of turned it over to other people and and have them kind of showing it off and playing with other people. So that was kind of the driving force you're saying? Definitely. Yeah. Because I mean, I feel like a lot of the designers and people I talk to have experience with photoshopping and doing illustrations and artwork. And I, I have none of that. And so the artwork originally on the game was very bad. And it was just because I was 
putting together things in the best way I knew how, which wasn't very good. And so um, there was no way I could keep it as it was or market it as it. And so luckily everything worked out and it's better than I could have imagined. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. I will screw up a stick figure if you give me <laughs> half of it already completed. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's kind of cool. I mean, so you kind of had this idea that you wanted to create this game and, and for a, a kind of a specific niche, mm-hmm. and you created it, and you, you found out that other people enjoyed it. You did want to share it with other people, but you wanted an art upgrade and, and to kind of give them a, a quality game, but still kind of sort of focused on the personal level, your personal network, uh, but you decided to throw it up on Kickstarter to fund getting art it actually did very well and then that's the point where you kind of said hey you know i might have a shot in this industry exactly yeah that's uh that's how it all came together so luckily all your time traveling you were able to summarize it all right there (laughs) very nice chunk that's exactly what happened that's that's why i asked the questions man that's why i asked the questions (laughs) Uh, let me take a little bit of a a twist here with you and we'll, we'll kind of get off of that stuff for a minute do you have a favorite genre of game that you like to play? I enjoy pretty much everything. Uh, right now, we're into deck building a lot. My wife and I play Dominion a lot. It's great with two players. We've been playing Kingsforge a lot from uh, that came out last year, mm-hmm. and uh, we like that. So anything where you're building pools or decks and playing, we've been into a lot. We like dice rolling a lot. We've been playing Las Vegas, uh, like I said, Kingsforge, Pandemic the Cure. But really, we're open to pretty much anything. Well, if you like dice rolling, Bill and I have a game for you. <laughs> yeah, how's that coming along, by the way? Well, you've seen Bill. He's making a he's making a digital version of all things. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> all right, so then do you have like a, a least favorite genre? I mean, you don't have to name games, but if you have a least favorite genre, something that somebody you know just explains it to you and it happens to be in that genre, it might take a, a little bit of pulling you to the table to actually get a play in? Well, I don't know if this is a least favorite or I can't say I don't like it, but I've really never played any RPGs. Hmm. So I'm not really into those. And I don't know why, but space theme games don't really appeal to me a whole lot. I don't know why, because I love space and astronomy and things like that, but I'm just not into that theme of game very much. Not sure why. I just never really could get into it. So from Letterman Games' standpoint, what are you looking for to produce? Do you have a, a certain style of game that you associate with your brand? Well, obviously, the my first game and my second game are going to be completely different. And I think the second game is what I'm hoping ends up defining me. I want to push into really family-oriented kind of casual fillers, um, some kind of light great for adults to play without the kids around, but then the kids come in and they're easy to learn and they can play it as well. So I, th- I think that's what, it, I mean, think along the lines of say game right, something like that. I think that's where I'd see it. I see it going. So hopefully, you know, this coming up Kickstarter, if it's successful, we can push in that direction and keep moving with, forward with it. And you're kind of looking at using Kickstarter to continue to fund some of your games as, as they come along and to help build up uh, your, your gaming business side, correct? For now, I would love at some point to be at a point where I didn't need Kickstarter and I could have the support and crowd of people that I could produce a game for and not have to resort to, to crowdfunding. But for now, I think I need that to build my base and uh, produce the games initially. But 
as I said, I'd love to at some point be at a point where I don't need to do that. So then with where you see yourself going and the type of games that you would like to produce, I don't know how much research you did into the past or when it happened, but you've got to be pretty happy that we eventually did burst the one bubble that needed bursting on Kickstarter. And that is the casual family game used to not fund on Kickstarter at all. They used to have a real hard time and and struggled. Yeah, I definitely have seen that. And even in talking to people, they've said, you know, obviously the really hardcore gamer games are what do really well on Kickstarter. And, but there, like you said, there have been so many in the past year or two that have funded and funded pretty well that are casual, family oriented, great light games and, or even just a lot of the micro games that are really light and not super deep, but they're quick. They're fun. You know, a game doesn't have to be super hardcore strategy to necessarily be fun as long as people are still thinking and planning turns and having fun together that's really what's important and i think like you said people are starting to notice that that there are a lot of just good games out there that might not be under the typical definition of what you're seeing funded on kickstarter originally yeah and i was really happy to see that bubble burst because i don't know how many games i had been parallelly involved in uh, or trying to help promote or something like that, that fell into that genre and just struggled and, and many of them failed and it had nothing to do with the game. It had nothing to do. Uh, I mean, some, some of them are by known designers. I mean, it just, it was, it, it took a while for that side of the gaming group to kind of, come on to Kickstarter, I guess. I don't know exactly how that bubble burst. Uh, I do remember about when it did. And I, I remember it was like, oh, it's about time. And then after that, we started to see more and more of the casual and family games at least fund. Yeah, they're like you said, they're not really necessarily pulling in like zombie side money or you know, right. or things like that, but you know, not miniatures money or anything like that. But they are funding where there was a time when somebody would come to me with that style of game and I would just kind of almost go up front, we're going to have a a huge hill to climb here. So let's start now. Yeah, I agree. And I I feel like there's nothing harder when you see a project that you're really passionate about or you're excited for and you're backing it and it deserves to fund. You can tell that the game is well thought out. The game is good. The creator is working hard for it and it's still not going to fund. And you're just trying to figure out why isn't this going to fund this deserves to fund and you watch those projects and you you're a part of them and you just want to help them succeed it's hard so it's nice that like you said that they're they're pushing forward and doing better with it all right let me kind of go back into almost like business side mode again here <laughs> playtesting what does playtesting mean to you and your games do you have a set process that you like to follow for that Yeah, so I typically start with, I just bring something to my wife right off the bat, and I say, is this even worth working on? Then we start to show it to some friends. I have set groups of friends, but they're typically all separated, so I have different groups that come over different times, and maybe once a week we'll have a a group of friends over, but some are really into you know more hardcore games, and some are more casual light games, and so we start introducing each different group to the games that I'm coming up with, and getting a lot of exposure from people with different backgrounds and different interests. And if they start to seem to like it, then I kind of take it a step further. Uh, In my area, there's a lot of great meetup groups for gaming. 
And so typically what I'll do is either I or some of my friends, I have some really great friends, they'll bring a game of mine that I'm, you know, even prototyping or something that's really makeshift. And they'll bring it for me and play test it without me there and get blind play tests right out off the bat. And uh, it's nice when I'm not there because then you don't have the pressure of the creator just standing there watching you, feeling like you have to give good feedback because the person who created it's there. So you get a lot of unbiased feedback that way as well. And so I typically go through those steps first. So do you have any sort of litmus test that you use to say, okay, this, this game's done. This game is ready to be my next Kickstarter project, for example. Well, I felt like, you know, with Dino Dude Ranch coming up, that one, I was pretty sure pretty quickly when I was playing with certain families. And the first question I would get at the end is just, where can we get this? And, you know, when you have that immediate reaction that the kids or their parents even were just saying, when is this available and where can we get it? You were like, okay, I have to make sure this is good because this is something people want. But even with the refining process, I'm still trying to, I don't know, I'm a perfectionist and I still want to make tweaks and want to add or edit things. So it almost feels like it never stops. But uh, like I said, it was that point when people weren't necessarily making comments about the game, but they were just saying, when can we get this or where can we get it? That I was like, yeah, this is something I need to push forward and get out there. I'm always curious about where you fall on the spectrum and you might have heard me talk about the spectrum before. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've had the full spectrum on and we've had people that say, you know, I'm absolutely passionate about designing games. That's my one big thing. And I tolerate self publishing or, you know, it's, I, I just, I just deal with that piece of it so that I can get my games out there all the way to the other side where I've had people there like we've tried to design a game we decided that wasn't our thing but you know what we really fell in love with publishing so we're going to be 100% publishing and we're going to publish other people's games in that broad spectrum where do you fall well i enjoy the self publishing end of it a lot actually i do like the business side of it it's hard with a full time job and doing it as i'm sure most people who do that know it's very tiring because I have to wait till my family goes to bed to even do it, start working on things. And so then I'm up really late just to get up early for work in the morning. But but I like it a lot. And I fall in the end of, I think I'd like to publish other people's games as well. I want to get to the point where I have a good base or a good crowd before I ask other people to really take a chance on me as me being their publisher. But I would love to get to that point. And I'm hoping that you know a successful upcoming Kickstarter will help to... I guess, push my company in that end where I can publish other people's games. Um, I like designing games as well. I don't know if I would stop doing that when I'm publishing other people's games or if I would just stop publishing my own and maybe seek outside sources for it. But I like doing both. I'm not sure how I'm going to balance it if I, again, start to switch to other people's games as well, though. But just of note, it is something already in your mind to weigh and balance if you move in that direction. So it's not like it's going to be an afterthought. It sounds like it's something that you're going to kind of sit down and try to figure out. Yeah. Can you do both or how would you split your time or, or something like that? So Yeah, and I feel like if I were doing it full time with nothing else, I would definitely commit to doing both. But I would understand that I don't think I would be able to devote myself to all of it all at once. And I would have to make those decisions and I would gladly do whatever I need to, to make whatever project I'm working on work and really only focus on that. So I'm pretty well aware now of why you went to Kickstarter the first time, but is there continuing reasons why you've decided to stay with Kickstarter and self-publishing versus 
trying to reach out to other publishers that are already established? Yeah, I, I think one of the main reasons is I wanted to keep certain control over the game and the direction it was going in. There were certain visions I had for when it was going to be finally manufactured and certain things I wanted to do with it. And I didn't want to lose the ability to have it go the way I wanted it to go. As I said, I also enjoyed doing the business end of it. So I had no problem with, say, publishing it myself. So yeah, I guess I never really thought too much about seeing who else would want to publish it for me. As I said, I want to break into it and kind of get casual family games out there more. And I feel like if I can get my game successfully funded, I can get other games of that type funded as well, just to help the whole family of games like that grow. This is probably a good time for us to go ahead and maybe switch over and talk more about Dino Dude Ranch. So would you like to give us your elevator pitch for Dino Dude Ranch? Sure. Uh, Dino Dude Ranch is a set collection resource management game for families, kids, and adults of all ages. And it, it's dinosaur themed. It's quick. It takes 20 to 40 minutes. I think it works as a four player and as a two player. It does pretty much all the quick casual filler type things you'd want it to. It's fun. It's fast. It's light. And it's exciting, I think. So I got to hear kind of your driving force behind PhD. So what was the driving factor that inspired you to create Dino Dude Ranch? It started with the Fifth Street Challenge at the Game Crafter. They had a challenge for games that were just of that type. And I thought that that was really actually upon doing the contest. And I had actually just recently backed Fifth Street's Ghost Love Candy. I really thought to myself, these are the types of games I want to create. This is where I want to be. I want to do this exact type of game and I want to move forward with it. So that's really what got me into doing Dino Duda Ranch. I wanted a fun family game. And this is one that you've taken out and gone through your playtesting process and everything. Has anything major changed from when you were first designing it to what is going to be seen on Kickstarter here soon? Yeah, there's so many changes. It started out as a farming game with sheep and bees and cows and pigs, and it was all money-based. It was you'd buy the animals and maybe earn more money from having them on your farm. And it was really kind of a generic farming game. And I just didn't love that theme. And once I switched to dinosaurs, I had a play tester just look at it and say, why are you using money when they're dinosaurs? Why not go to leaves and meat? And so then we got rid of the whole money system. And actually it changed the whole mechanics because um, there was just a whole different system in play with how you would earn your resources. And you know, once I switched to the meat and leaves, I was like, I have to really rethink this. And it actually changed the whole direction of the game and how it was played when I when I switched to the dinosaur theme. So uh, a lot of work was put in from that, but it's pretty different from my first vision of it. So it wasn't just as simple as switching the theme to make it more appealing. There, there had to be some underlying mechanic changes as well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're coming up here on Kickstarter soon. When are you looking to launch your Kickstarter? February 25th. So a week from tonight. So you're going to be launching on February 25th, 2015. I always like to make sure I throw a date on there just in case somebody's listening to this in the future. <laughs> Doubt it, but <laughs> you never know. No one even listens to it in the present. Either. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but February 25th, 2015, what are you looking for for a funding goal for this one? Uh, 11,000 actually. So not too bad at all. It's very doable. It's not bad, but it's it's a lot more than my even my first 
game funded. And as we said, with the, the casual family aspect of it, I am hoping that I succeed. I, I think 11,000 is, I think it's reasonable. It's not too much, but it's not nothing either. It's enough to cover and manufacture a nice game, but it's not like I'm asking for $30,000. Right. And then this is probably a good time to maybe talk about some of the, the lessons and stuff as well. So you've got your experience from PhD and now you've got the research that you've done for getting Dino Dude Ranch off the ground. What are you thinking right now or maybe some key success points that you are going to be able to put in place to help Dino Dude Ranch fund? Well, a couple of things that I did differently from my first time was, first, a stupid mistake I made was I had no outside reviews in my first time around. So obviously, that's something you shouldn't be doing. And so I, I definitely got initial impressions and reviews ahead of time. And it still surprises me when I see games launch without reviews on them, but people do it. But I also, I couldn't afford all of the art for the game right off the bat, but I definitely contracted some of the pieces. I got about half of the artwork done for the game because I wanted something to show people so that they knew where the game was going and how it was going to look. I feel like presentation means a lot and it was very important to me to put a nice product out there. So I wanted people to see what it was going to be like when they're going to be getting it. So I put some money into the artwork ahead of time to get that done. Uh, I worked to get some interviews out before launch so that people could help spread the word and make people aware of the game coming out. We're still playtesting the game a lot and going to gaming meetups and local stores to get people in my local area also to see the game and know that it's coming to Kickstarter soon so that people are aware of its launch before it launches. I think that was another problem. My last game, people didn't know it was launching. I hit launch and then I was like, crap, I have to tell everyone that this game is out there and they have to buy it. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of the legwork early so that it hopefully launches and has a nice strong start so that it just kind of coasts through the rest of the campaign. And I know you've been kind of sharing the preview page off and on. Uh, did you turn that back on, by the way? <laughs> yes, the preview page is back on. <laughs> Good, because if I'm fortunate enough to make sure this gets out before it goes Live, we'll definitely put the preview link in the show notes. Great. Otherwise, there'll be the live link, depending on when this gets out. And it now has the video loaded into it, which was loaded while I was actually skipping our phone call <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so so uh, Your, your uh, intro video or whatever? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Awesome. I, finally, uh, I got the final version today and was able to load it tonight. So now the preview page is looking pretty good. Excellent. Yes. And um, like I said earlier, you know, we did do All Us Geeks. And specifically, myself and Megan sat down and looked at Dino Dude Ranch. And Dan will have that on the page as well. So you can see our impressions of it. Spoiler alert, we enjoyed it very much. But you can go see the rest of our opinions there or very shortly here. You see it, uh, you'll, you'll see it through our YouTube channel as well. And, uh, yeah, this is definitely a game that, it, again, it's a casual, family-friendly game. It plays really well. I was pretty happy with it. Megan was pretty happy with it. We really would have loved to have had our nieces and nephews over to play it, and I definitely think it's worth your time to at least go check out. So I'll be quiet for a minute, and I'm going to ask Dan, I'm going to ask you this question. Ready? Sure. 
<laughs> All right, so somebody is listening to this, or they've discovered a video, or however they've they've come across your Kickstarter page. They're checking it out, and they're like, "Yeah, I might be interested in this game. I, I'm on the fence right now." What are a couple things that you would tell them to make them go? You know what, Dan, you're absolutely right. I have to back Dino Dude Ranch right now. Well, I think one thing that's great is. It can be appealing for all ages. I found adults who like it. I found kids who like it. And what's really cool is even if you have really, really young kids, there are ways to adapt the game so that we've had kids as young as three play it. They don't necessarily know everything they're doing, but they have a ton of fun and really enjoy it. As you get older, you can add a couple more elements of the game and kids six to seven have a lot of fun with it. By the time they're eight and over, they really are thinking about their strategies or what they're trying to do. You know, once you're above 10 or 12, the kids really like it. And then, as I said, adults have found a lot of fun out of the game, too. So it's really appealing no matter what age you are or where you are on that spectrum. And the game can be stripped down or made amenable to kids really young, kids older. And I'm trying now even to add more elements of strategy for those people who are hardcore gamers to make it even more appealing to everyone else as well. Excellent. I definitely think you should check this one out. Dan, Dino Dude Ranch launches and is wildly successful and you are able to fulfill it to many, many people. What's in store for Letterman Games after that? Uh, we've had a couple things that we've been kind of thinking about lately. As I said, it's been very hard with everything else in our lives going on right now, but I'm working on one game with another designer that I'm thinking on maybe putting more time into once I am not focusing so much on Dino Dude Ranch. I'd love to, if things go well, maybe push that game forward and help get that game out. Um, I've also had a couple ideas for expanding Dino Dude Ranch and doing either an add-on or a full-on expansion for it. And then I've just had a couple other games that are really in early stages that I'm just starting to design as well. So I'm not really sure which one will be first after the game because I, I really want to focus on just this game getting off and being fulfilled properly. But I think talking to that other designer and pushing that game forward would be probably my next goal. So that, you know, you might see another game from us by the end of the year, early next year, if everything goes well. Awesome. And, you know, you glossed over it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it again here. Congratulations, Dan. Oh, yeah? Yeah. For You've had an addition to the family here recently. <laughs> I sure did. On uh, New Year's <laughs> Eve, we were not out celebrating the new year. We were in the hospital because my younger daughter now, I have two, and my younger daughter was born on New Year's Eve of 2014. So yeah, it's been quite a wild ride. She's about a month and a half old now, and my two-year-old is making it all even more crazy. So we've been nonstop fun around here, that's for sure. Well, now you just need to like plan a move in the middle of your kickstarter or you know something something like that just just so it's not so easy well luckily my work's been sending me away for trainings every month for like <laughs> yes, a week at a right. time so and i have another week away during the kickstarter so that's not <laughs> ideal but you know we, we're set in stone with this and i've got a lot leading up to it and a lot planned for while i'm away too so i think uh being away in a hotel without the kids around might actually help to <laughs> have me focus on the kickstarter even more <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say about Dino Dude Ranch specifically before we wrap up for the evening? Just like you said, if I really just appreciate people going on, checking it out. Uh, you know, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But if it is, please be sure to check it out and at least uh, give the page some eyes, look at it and uh, let me know what you think of it. I appreciate any critiques, comments, criticisms, anything that would help the game or make it even better or just the page itself. You know, I want to put out the best product I can and that helps with more input from more people. So 
I'm really just open to anyone talking to me about anything. And you gave some some great tips when we were talking about you getting ready for this Kickstarter, but do you have anything that you specifically want to pinpoint as a lesson that you'd like to pass on to somebody else that's looking at Kickstarter? Well, there are a lot. As I said, I've tried to touch on some while we were doing this, but I guess the biggest thing would be reach out and talk to people who've done it because they can steer you in all the, the right ways to do things, the wrong ways to do things, or you know, their opinion doesn't necessarily always have to be the right way either, but at least you can get you know some ideas from experienced people so that you can uh, decide what works best for you in your project. And, uh, you know, there are so many ways that you can do it and back projects. I think that's the biggest thing is back projects. You see what works, what doesn't. And uh, I think just being involved with the community, you just learn a lot from it. So that's probably the best thing you can do is get involved with games, Kickstarter, designers, and everyone out there and the rest kind of falls into place. Yeah, that that is huge. And it can never be stated enough that there are more resources and helpful resources and people that are willing to help now and specifically around Kickstarter even. That's the thing. I feel like designers, they do. They like to just talk design, whether it's their game, someone else's game, doesn't matter. People just like to, to help. And I mean, I think all of us, we just want good games, right? We want to play good games. So I think we all want to help everyone produce the best games possible. So there are more good games out there. And I just think as the years have gone on with Kickstarter, it's it's changed so much. But with it, this entire community has kind of grown up around it and been very supportive with one another. So the days of kind of saying, I, I had no idea this was going to happen. I had no idea X was even an option or anything like that are kind of out the window. There's really not a ton of excuses for not doing your research, especially since there's so many people that all you got to do is pretty much say the word Kickstarter and they will just give you a wealth of information. (laughs) I agree. And like I said, I still find it surprising when games post without reviews or without the creator hasn't backed any other projects. And I'm just like, get out there, do your research, do your homework. If you want people to take a leap of faith on you. You have to do the same with other people. And I think you just have to get involved and really learn the the most you can so that you can make your game the best it can be. So if individuals want to reach out to you, Dan, besides the uh, Kickstarter, of course, coming up, which we'll have a link to in the show notes, what are the best ways that people can kind of get a hold of you? I think Twitter or my email are probably the best. You're going to list those links as well, right? So yep. I think my, my Twitter and email are probably the two best. I also, Atlantic Man Games has a Facebook page that I'm, I'm a little less active with, but I do respond to and stay active with. It's just not as involved as, say, Twitter or my email account. Also, the Game Crafter chat, I'm in there almost daily. So that's a good place to find me. <laughs> All right. And so what is your Twitter account? Uh, it's Letty Man Games, all one. So, yes, I will put a link to that in the show notes as well if you want to get a hold of Dan and follow him if you uh, are over on Twitter. And we will be uh, linking the Kickstarter as well. So let me do this. Ready? I'm ready. You get to correct me if I'm wrong, which is not, Usually. Is not an uncommon <laughs> occurrence. Okay, ready? <laughs> yes. Dino Dude Ranch is launching February 25th, 2015 on Kickstarter. He's going to be looking for $11,000, everybody. I'm assuming running for about 30 days. Is that correct, Dan? I'm thinking 28. 28? Okay. Yes. So 28 days uh, starting February 25th, 2015. 
definitely go on out there, check it out, watch the video, watch some of the reviews, check out the page and decide if this is something that is right for you. And if it is, show him some love. Uh, I definitely want to see this and many other projects, of course, uh, become successful. But this project uh, specifically, because I've had a chance to look at it. It is a good project. It deserves to be funded and it deserves to be in your family's game collection. All right, Dan, thank you very much for hanging out with me tonight, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Like I said, taking the time and being forgiving for my 20 minutes of forgetting <laughs> that we were talking. So I'm very sorry about that. But thank you. This has been great. And man, the time goes by fast. I'm surprised how, how long we've gone on already. <laughs> it's all great. good. I, I knew where to track you down. Yeah, no, you know, when the, time, when the time goes by fast, it means you're having a good time. So I appreciate it. And like I said, thanks for having me on and giving me the opportunity to tell everyone about my game. Not a problem, man. It was great having a conversation with you. Like I said, we, we talk all the time anyway, but it was cool to kind of have the voice conversation and, and go through some of these, some of these things you and I have talked about off and on, but they're definitely great to share with my audience as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure I'll talk to you tomorrow about the, everything, right? <laughs> yeah. I will see you soon in the chat. All right. <laughs> and true. speaking of see you soon, thank you everybody for hanging out with us. I will be back soon with more interviews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find... Geeks of the North, a hobby and gaming podcast from LaBelle Province, discussing all aspects of the miniature wargaming hobby. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com. February 28th. You, or, there I went again. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. You got to change it now. It's, it's on audio. All right. I'm going to go post to Twitter that I'm changing, pushing it back three more days. <laughs> <laughs>